Sometimes teaching our children to be inclusive and welcoming is the best gift we can give them. From First Community Church in Columbus, Ohio, this is Still Listening with Julie and Glenn Miles. Welcome to Episode 4. This is Glenn and Julie Miles. We're back, still listening. At least we were this morning when I left the house. So I think it should be a, a, a good a good podcast today. We're talking about um, making hospitality and, and inclusion a way of life. This was one of the questions that came to us uh, online, I think through Facebook. Uh, Morgan's giving me the, the nod of yes, so that's, that's correct. That's where it came from. So we've got some different things we want to talk about. Julie, why don't you... Um, uh, jump in there and talk about uh, maybe when it, when it first became an issue for us, not an issue, but a, a, an opportunity for us and how we first began to see this when we, back when way back when we were, what, two or three years into yeah. married life? Yeah, I think um, the best uh, family that modeled this for us when we were out of college, early 20s, was the Doran Hecker family. Um, I remember when we first met Doug and Kathy on our way uh, to a truck stop outside Eugene, Oregon, to meet them for the first time to begin um, your interview process for a position as a director of uh, youth ministry for a small church in Central California. And I can remember Doug and Kathy, uh, we immediately felt a connection. We were um, felt a part of their family, sharing stories and all of that. And I think um, that's one of the things that really make it special when we live hospitality, is that it literally changed the course of your career. Um, you were at that time thinking of being a coach and a basketball um, basketball coach I'm and still a teacher. I'm still thinking about that, but yeah. <laughs> still. I think, I don't know about that. <laughs> but anyway, um, and Doug called and said, I want you to consider uh, possibly being a youth minister for me. And when we met them at this truck stop, we immediately felt a connection. Um, I remember going over to their house many Sunday evenings to have dinner and um, share stories and laugh with their girls, their two or two little girls at that time. And um, we just immediately fell in love with that family. Um, and I can remember Mary Frances when we were leaving three years later to go off to Tennessee for seminary, standing on the curb outside their house, crying, big crocodile tears, waving and saying goodbye to us as we left to move clear across the country. I think, their daughter, I think their daughter, Mary Frances, was about five, six, little, five little or six girl. years old, something like that. And I remember saying, Gwen, Julie, I don't want you to go. I want you to go. She was a sweetheart. I also, one of the things that sticks out of my mind about Doug and Kathy, I remember the very first time we went over to their house for dinner after church, uh, you know, we sat around the table and, and everybody was engaged with each other and they were they lots of good questions and, and all. It was really kind of fun. And then when dinner was over, Doug got up and went to the couch in the living room and laid down and went to sleep. <laughs> Which he did often. <laughs> Which he did often. It was, it, and Kathy said, he's, yeah. you know, he's a di- he was diabetic. Or he is diabetic. And, and he worked hard, hard, hard on Sunday mornings. His and emotional drain he was. He was just drained and physically worn out. And it was kind of cool, actually, that he was comfortable enough to just say, you guys stay here. I'm going to go take a nap. And, 
and then we would tease him while he was napping. It was, <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. Well, I remember we're still really good friends with them. In fact, we spent uh, summer vacation with them last summer at their lake house in Washington State. And um, he has made such a difference in our life that we chose to name our youngest son after Doug and Stephen Douglas Biles. One of the one of the questions that that's come to us is similar similar to this. How do we how do we um, stretch our our hospitality muscles, as it were, uh, or strengthen them uh, at work and in everyday life? And I, I think one of the things at work that's 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 helps a lot um, is to uh, bring a diverse group of folks together and listen to their 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 ideas, be clear about their their thinking. Um, I love that our staff uh, here is is has a variety of backgrounds and a, and a lot of different viewpoints. We're, we're united in a lot of ways, but but there's also some diversity of thought and, and, and diversity of backgrounds that really helps us um, uh, be able to understand the other, which is good because our, our theology in this church certainly is is one that says no matter who you are or where you're from, you're, you're welcome here. And I think that's an important part of, of uh, that willingness to be um, to express hospitality. Um, and so that, 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 that applies to everyday life, too. And I've, I'm going to brag about you, and I've seen how you are um, on vacations, in restaurants, in shopping malls, well, just about anywhere. Um, you have this striking this, up a conversation, striking up a conversation <laughs> with whoever it is or telling somebody how cute their baby is <laughs> or walking down the aisleway of an airplane and just saying, hi, how are you? Nice to see you. Hey, how are you doing? Are you two together? Good. You look good together. <laughs> just those kind of cute little things that you do. Um, it just it just naturally draws people to you. But it, you're not doing it in a today. I will be open and uh, and welcoming and accepting of all people. Um, but you know, maybe it does go back to Dornheckers and and the relationship we had with them, and maybe it does go yeah. back to the stuff we learned in church growing up as little kids. Even though that we went to very conservative evangelical type churches, um, at least within the community itself, we were always loved and accepted in Sunday school and youth programs. And um, I think one of the things we've learned over the years is that diversity is actually enriching. It's enriching to the experience for us. It's enriching to experience for each person that we encounter. So it's it's nothing to be afraid of. It's something to embrace and and enjoy. Um, I think sometimes I I don't know. I just think that opening the door um, makes all the difference in the world. And um, you can plan, which I really love to do. I love to pull out my recipe books. I love to plan a menu. I love to prepare the house, be ready for our guests and all that. But if you don't open the door and if you don't invite people in uh, from all walks of life, you, you're, you're, it really means nothing to do all that preparation. So say a little bit about Tennessee when we went there for seminary and, and what it was like to be uh, in, in a far, far, far away foreign country like that uh, well, com- compared it, to California. Yeah. <laughs> It felt like well, we were speaking a new language and all that. That's exactly right. It was quite a culture shock at first. Um, but again, the Dornheckers convinced us to move clear across the country to Tennessee. And because we had experienced such a wonderful, open, loving uh, time with the Dornheckers, we decided to emulate that and invite lots of people from different walks of life to welcome in our home and 
Um, so a lot of times we would come home from church meetings or after work to a full house of people already uh, have made themselves at home at our house, went to the refrigerator and pulled out beverages and food and sat down and helped themselves and were having a good time by the time we walked into our own house. Um, but I loved that time. I loved that time. I think that that was uh, recognizing in each other that we were all on a journey um, and it was a struggle sometimes, but we were all in it together. And so we did our part and shared and well, there was enriched the our lives. We had the common experience of all being poor, mm-hmm. number one. Uh, you know, we didn't really have any money. Number two, all of us were students or spouses of students uh, working hard to get through school. And mm-hmm. most of us were planning to go on into ministry in one form or another. Um, and so that, that certainly bonded us. But we, I remember one of our first Christmas parties there. Where there was a student and his wife from uh, Australia. And, and there were students from the West Coast and the, and the Midwest and the South. And, and all, it was kind of a national uh, school. And so that, that forced us to, to meet all kinds of new people from different walks of life, too. Um, and and just, just that, that sense of, 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 of acceptance. Um, oh, what I started to say was we never went hungry. We always had plenty to eat. Uh, we always everybody everybody chipped in. in and did what they could, and we didn't have gourmet meals, but we had pretty darn good meals. And there's two things also remember from that time. One um, was that, that uh, uh, you said to Scott Rollins, our other good friend, uh, who our son Nathaniel Nathaniel's Scott named is named after. Um, uh, you said to Scott, you know, hey, anytime you pick up Glenn for class, if you want to come by early in the morning, I'll fix you breakfast. And I soon figured out that if Scott would come early for breakfast on the days I had Hebrew class, he could help me with my Hebrew homework before we went to class, and he'd get bacon <laughs> and eggs You did a little bit you. better on that test. I did a lot better on that <laughs> test, um, and it was because of the bacon and eggs that you fed to Scott. But even even that was, was part of that willingness to, be, um, uh, hus- uh, to express hospitality. But the flip side, too, was the folks in Tennessee were incredibly gracious yes. and kind and welcomed us into their homes and brought us food. And on, on a Sunday afternoons, we'd come home from church and there'd be a bag of, of fresh fruit or a bag of fresh vegetables or a, a cake or some pie or some cookies or whatever. And anytime I'd go to pay the rent with, with Mr. Harvey, with Willis Harvey, our, our uh, landlord across the street, who was actually born in the house where we were living, um, you know, hey, come on in, sit down, let's let, let's get caught up. You know, you didn't you didn't just drop off the rent check; you got caught up. Yes, visited. Um, so we learned we learned from our our friends in in that faraway land called Tennessee um, uh, how to be kind and gracious too. I think some of the difficulty too is to kind of um, help our children learn the value of inclusiveness and being welcoming to different people different kids from different walks of life and I think sometimes building self-esteem and without that view of self-importance is real important for kids but it's a very tricky uh, way to line to walk and because we want to be sure that they feel confident but we don't want them to feel that um, so you're saying sometimes you could be too confident and maybe uh, think a little bit higher of yourself than yes. you might if mom and dad aren't careful? Yes. Why don't let you tell that Let story? me tell you a story about uh, how I missed the mark. Um, I had communicated to my boys early on that somehow um, that they were the most special humans that had ever been born. Um, my oldest son was around five years old when we moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and we fortunately found a wonderful neighborhood with a lot of kids his age. Um, 
And one morning, he decided to go outside and play with his friends. Um, and I kind of decided an hour or so later to go check on him. And I see him out in the middle of our yard with all these kids around. And he's obviously lecturing them because he's finger pointing at them. And um, he's basically giving them some kind of lecture. Well, they get tired of that conversation and they go off to someone else's neighborhood or ne uh, yard to play. And he comes walking into the house, slams the door, very upset. And I said, Nate, Nate, friendship is give and take. You've got to do what your friends want to do some and sometimes, and they will do what you want to do. And he looks at me and he says, it's your fault. It was. And, yeah. <laughs> and I said, excuse me, what of what I witnessed outside in the yard was my fault? And he said, you always told me I'm special. And I realized at that moment that I had um, relayed a message to my kids that um, somehow their wants and desires superseded everyone else. And I think that sometimes teaching our children to be inclusive and welcoming is the best gift we can give them because it kind of opens up their hearts and their minds to other ways of living life and it kind of enriches their life to be that open and accepting. I saw another great quote the other day that someone shared with me about, about church growth. The goal of a church is not for everyone to know everyone, but for everyone to be known. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, in a church our size with 2,500 members or whatever it is, we're averaging about... You can't possibly know everyone. Right, right. We're averaging about 700 on, in worship on a Sunday morning. There's no way even a longtime member can walk in to all three or four services and know everybody who's in the room, but everyone can have a sense of being known. And I, that, I think that's something we'll, we'll be talking more about it in our staff and conversations along the way of how do we make sure that all folks are known. Uh, Christy Glazer has started a new ministry called First Friends so that a new uh, every new member has a quote first friend um, who connects with them and connects them maybe to a small group and and make sure that they that can navigate around the church they can navigate and around and I've I, my understanding from some research is that if you know seven people uh, in the church you attend whether there are 50 people who are members or 50,000 people who are members or somewhere in between if you know seven just seven you feel like you're known and you're you're a part of that congregation and I I think we've been done a pretty darn good job at First Community of making sure people are known and I think we can do an even better job in the in the immediate and near future especially with the new campus uh, the new sanctuary at the North Campus going up and all the work that's happening there um, it's going to be important for us to continue to make folks make sure folks are connected a lot of times we are seeing more and more people coming into our doors that have no religious affiliation and um, so they're coming into customs and traditions and things that are familiar to us but not to them but that first greeting that warm smile um, just sets the tone for them and they're willing to risk a little bit more and um, stay around long enough to learn a little bit more about the congregation. I, so. I remember a few months ago pulling into the South Campus uh, to come down and preach at the 11 o'clock service and one of the greeters that you and Christy Glazer had recruited for the open door ministry was out in the parking lot uh, with an umbrella uh, watching for people who are arriving. He came, even came jogging over to me and said, hey, Glenn, let me cover you up as you walk in. And, you know, 
I'm the senior minister of the church and 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 I don't expect that sort of thing at all, but it actually it's felt like pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they, he actually wants me to be here. Yeah. This is really good. So imagine what it would feel like, feel like for, for a first time, first time visitor. And that's what he was doing that I can't remember his name, but that's what he was doing. He was out there. Um uh, welcoming Welcome. all those folks back in and, and making sure that, that you could walk in with, a, with your head covered if you didn't have an umbrella of your own. It seems like a simple thing, but it's huge in the terms of a first-time first visitor uh, to have experienced that kind of a welcome. This is Still Listening with Julie and Glenn Miles. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss, feel free to send it to listening at glennmiles.org or you can post it on the First Community Church Facebook page, and we will take it up with a future podcast.